it's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. is a presentation of the Belly Up Sports Media Network. Wait, this is pretty much a labor of love, if you know what I mean, for oh. us from our end. Oh, believe me, I've been de- I've been in this game for a bit. I'm in the exact <laughs> same spot, so I know the, I know the pain. <laughs> It's, it's some some days, man. Some weeks, I'm like, oh god, I don't want to do this today. But it's all right. We're gonna get through it today. But uh, anyway, yeah. So welcome back to the South End Zone here on the Belly Up Sports Network. I'm your host, Jason Bailey. Thanks for hanging out with us again this week. Coming at you a couple of days later than usual. My normal uh, co-host Eric is not with us. He is otherwise indisposed this week. So, uh, Jay Smith from Unfair Sports and the Sooner or Later Pod has been kind enough to grace us with his presence and some, I'm sure, flamethrower status hot takes coming out for college football. Jay, welcome to the show, man. Thanks for jumping on with us. What's going on? Thanks for having me. I appreciate the invite. I'm ready to talk some ball. Yeah, man. Let's let's chop it up. And uh, feel free to let any F-bombs fly that you like, because this is not uh, a PG-rated show. Right. You know, we don't uh, we don't sense ourselves, so feel free to just cut it up and let it fly, man. If you want to roast a coach or, you know, whoever, <laughs> feel free, because uh, we're here for it. So okay. the first thing that I wanted to discuss on this show, because we've been getting a lot of hate mail <laughs> <laughs> that uh, perhaps we've been ignoring the proverbial elephant elephant in the room, which is the back-to-back national champs. Okay. And mm. I don't know why we're getting this hate mail, Jay, because we seem to give Georgia a lot of credit, if I remember correctly. But I guess they're getting tired of us not talking about them in the offseason because we've had probably about 20 beat riders or so on in the last three months and no Georgia football has been discussed. So we're going to try to uh, maybe have a beat rider on, but in the interim, we're going to talk about an article that uh, my co-host Eric Mulher wrote uh, about the Georgia Bulldogs and a big question. Can they three Pete? <sighs> Jay on the surface, man, it looks uh Pretty plausible, but we're going to try to poke some holes in the argument here. So okay. uh, I'm just going to throw some some stuff at you and you get a couple of takes from me here. So the first thing I'm going to throw at you is obviously we know they're back-to-back national champs. Stetson Bennett's off to the NFL. He's with the Rams. 
after six years of college in which he did not graduate, which I thought was a fantastic addition to the article, by the way, shout out to you, Eric. So at the, at the end of spring practice this year, I had, I mean, I, we all know they recruit well, right? Right. I mean, yeah, I mean, the four Jordan. and a half million, yeah, it's Georgia, four and a half million dollar budget for recruiting and all that, you know, more than double the, the next team spends. But if you're going to repeat or three Pete, excuse me, in a national championship, a good place to start is the defensive side of the ball. And Jay, they've got 31 dudes on this roster right now that were four or five star recruits on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, that's Georgia that recruiting. Is, that is an absolute absurd number. It's just it's stupid, man. I don't. I mean, I don't think we've ever seen like a stockpile of talent on one side of the ball like we have here. I mean, do, do you recall in your historically, you know, watching college football, have you ever seen a roster talent, you know, a roster with as much talent amassed on it as Georgia appears to have? I mean, the, the at the the trajectory that Georgia is going right now, honestly, the closest thing is probably the 01 Miami Hurricane. I think that they had probably was six or seven Hall of Fame caliber players on there. Definitely NFL guys easily just, you know, in the backfield. I mean, you look at <laughs> yeah. who they had at running back. We'll tell you enough about how good they were. And then you had everybody else on the roster. And yeah, they, they were pretty stacked. And so this team is also similar to like that Alabama squad back when they had, because I think that the team that, that played LSU when they won the national championship in 19, yeah. they both had a combined like almost 30 NFL players. Yeah. That's hyperbole, yeah. but they had a whole, but they, they had almost 15 to 20 NFL guys on combined for both teams. And so Georgia is just put together the blueprint of not only bringing in the talent, but actually doing something with it. It's one of those things that Georgia's had problems with in the past. And then Kirby Smart walked in there and figured out how to take those same players that Mark Reich would get and actually win with them, like long-term, <laughs> like he figured it out. But what's baffling to me about Georgia is we're talking about them as a, two, as a, as a you know, repeater, repeat national champion and going into a three-peat is that they keep doing it without – five-star quarterbacks while also <laughs> getting five-star quarterbacks. Like it's a fascinating phenomenon. If you go back and look at who they've had over the recruits over the last few years, I mean, even since Matt Stafford, I mean, they had like what Aaron Murray, they had, uh, they got JT Daniels to transfer there. Jacob Eason was a five-star quarterback. Justin Fields was a five-star quarterback. Yeah, I think Fromm. Jake Fromm was a five-star quarterback. So Jake from State Farm was a five-star quarterback. You go through that list of who they got. Now they got Dylan Rayoli, who's coming in as another five-star quarterback. (sighs) Yeah. Right now, they don't even know who the starting quarterback is going to (laughs) be. And you know what's funny? They got a five-star quarterback on the bench. I know. Mark Vandegrift. I know. It's just, it's stupid. It's, I mean, people think that like this, I know Nick Saban mentioned this at the SEC spring meetings this week of like, people think there's a disparity now, like give it time, give it a few years and Georgia will be like the Denver Broncos versus everyone else looks like Marshall. <laughs> okay. It's, it's not going to be anywhere close to even anytime soon. And you know, you know, I kind of, um, I disagree with that take, especially Saban saying that in in a certain way. Now, not fully. Now, I totally get what he's saying because what he basically was saying is, and and what makes me laugh is a lot of people were like, "Oh, Saban's afraid that he's going to lose his throne and blah blah blah." No, yeah. Saban was warning you all. But look, all of this stuff. If there's no regulation, you know, I got the pockets. 
You know I've got the people to make this happen. I'm just letting y'all know I'm trying to make it as close to even as possible. But don't worry. We're going to take advantage of it. Hence why they got like, what, eight five stars in the last class? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, second yeah, second highest rated class and since 24-7 sports has been tracking it. Exactly. And the first one was Texas A&M. And guess what? Five of those eight five stars they had are gone. They all transferred yep. out. Yeah. So basically Saban is warning y'all that he's going to do the thing that will make it to where he can stay on top for as long as he's coaching. Just giving everybody their fair warning, which I appreciate. But the disagreement I have there is, is that the disparity is not going to widen. And I say that because there's a lot of there's certain institutions that have always been very fiscally responsible, mm-hmm. yet have a lot of money available that are going to really start spending now. The question is going to be is can their coaching keep up with it? And honestly, I think your top 10 blue bloods out there, which we'll just call it 10 blue bloods for now, it's going to be a 10-team race for the championship just about every year. They're going to battle each other for it, and it's going to be fun. The problem is is everybody else after 10 is just going to have to just understand that y'all ain't got no chance. I mean, no different than today. I mean, it's not like we've got more than four teams in college football that ever has a chance every year. Anyway, outside of the playoff, just realistically, you put them on the field with other teams, they're going to get demolished. So, yeah, yeah it's going to – it's gonna. I think that it's going to grow to more like 10 teams, but it's still going to be the top 1% winning it. Yeah, no doubt, because right now in Vegas, Georgia obviously has the shortest odds to win the title, But uh, mm-hmm. and then you've got Alabama and Ohio State at like plus 600, I believe. Yep. And then there's – three or four that go all the way up to like uh, plus 1800 say, and then nobody else is closer than 20 to one. Exactly. And it's just, you've got four or five teams that may have a shot to knock off Georgia and everybody else is just not even close. It's not going to happen period. And we'll talk about a few of these teams here. I'm just going to rapid fire some of these because I mean, to close out sort of the Georgia talk and can they 3 P, we're going to kind of run through some of these challengers here and uh, see if anybody can figure out how to cover Brock Bowers because uh, just real quick, is that guy the best football player in America? Just period. Like he could play any position he wanted. I mean, at his size. Yeah. For the most yeah. part, it's, it's, yeah. it's really unfair the way that they have accumulated tight ends, the way they have, and they actually use them. That's oh. the beauty of it. So the so my take on Georgia getting a three-peat, I say no only because we still have too much uncertainty at quarterback. Yeah. Now, Stetson Bennett isn't there. Someone that's the underdog that will go out there. Even if he's doubted, he's going to go do his thing. They don't have that quarterback this year, and that's going to be similar to the Clemson era of going from Deshaun Watson over right into Trevor Lawrence, mm-hmm. they looked out that they didn't really have a break at generational talent quarterbacks because this <laughs> league is about generational talent, talented oh. quarterbacks. It's not oh, about yeah. anything else. Um, but that they didn't have that the next time around when you brought DJ Uyunglele in, and the defense was still good enough, but the offense just wasn't at the caliber you needed it. Georgia's going to run to the same problem. I think their defense is going to be as good as normal. I don't think it's going to be at the top echelon. There's probably maybe a top 10-ranked quarterback in the Georgia era with Kirby Smart, so I don't see them being a top-five version, probably in the 6-10 to 10 
And so if the quarterback can't carry them, I don't think they're going to be able to do it this year. So I'm, I doubt Georgia. So Georgia fans, I'm sorry. I doubt you. I don't, I don't <sighs> have any belief in you because Stetson Bennett's not throwing the ball. Oh God. I love it. Get, oh man. We'll give you uh, Jay's Twitter handle here in just a second. So you can just <laughs> blast him and I'm here for Pull that, up. but you know, <laughs> but we're, you know, and speaking of the offense, the last point I'll make on just Georgia themselves, you know, with Mike Bobo taking over as the OC, that guy has, uh, you know, been at the helm of some prolific offenses for Georgia in the past. Uh, by the way, Georgia listeners, yeah, he, pro, you know, he was the at the helm of your most prolific offense ever in 2014 at 41 points a game. So all the people that are throwing shade, like, uh, promoted from within, well, give the guy a shot. But right. so speaking of these challengers here, the first one that comes to mind is because it's in the same division, and to me it's the only team on their schedule who has a chance to knock them off, and that's Tennessee. So Tennessee's at home. They're, that's probably – I would wager that that's one of two games that they won't be favored in. You know, they won't be favored against Alabama on the road more than likely, and they won't be favored at home against Georgia. So yep. I just don't know that Tennessee's got enough – to stop them, man. I just, I don't know that they can cover Brock Bowers. I mean, would you agree with that? Defensively, I got a lot of questions around what, um, what Tennessee is going to be able to do. I need to dig deeper into their roster and look at some of the analytics from some of the main guys out there. That's on my agenda of things to do when I go on vacation next week is really dig into Tennessee. But yeah, that that's one of the, the questions I have is defensively, are they ready to stop a player like Brock Bowers? But the question is, is and, and I think this is the thing that helps Georgia the most. When you have tight end play like they have, that makes it to where you can be a little bit more, you know, reckless with your quarterback. You, you've got a safety net. Tight ends are safety nets for quarterbacks. No because doubt. they're really hard for teams to defend. And if you've got players like Brock Bowers, yeah, ain't nobody holding him one-on-one. But if they can minimize his impact and force either – Carson Beck or whoever else is going to be out there at quarterback to throw the ball to everybody else, you got a shot. I think you got a shot. I like Tennessee's quarterback play. I'm a, I'm high on Joe Milton. I think he has an extremely high ceiling but a very low floor, but I'm high on him. So I think that he can go out there, use that rocket of an arm, and actually control it to where he's got accuracy. You know, if he goes out there and playing like he's playing Call of Duty with a mouse and keyboard instead of with a controller – we might have a good chance of him going out there and cooking. But the question is going to be is can he control himself when it comes to throwing that ball? That's yeah, always the question about him. So outside of that, I think that Tennessee is going to give them problems. I don't know about the win, though. That's going to be a tough one. I need Tennessee to prove themselves. When When is that game? That game is what? It's, in, late, it's late in the year. It's like week 10, I believe, week 10 so, or 11. So having a game that late, tells me that I have to see what Tennessee looks like up until like the first month. I need to see what they look like the first month. Tennessee yeah. walks out the first month undefeated and keeps that that machine going that Josh Heupel is starting up. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and say that Tennessee's probably going to roll through them. Mm. But if there's any 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 chink in their armor mm-hmm. going up and through October, especially going to Alabama, Alabama game is going to be my de facto if Tennessee can beat Georgia or not. If they yeah. go up against Alabama and play really good ball, potentially win it in Tuscaloosa, then at that point I'm probably going to say, yeah, they're going to be Georgia. Or if they keep it close. 
I think yeah. that Alabama's a little bit better in comparison to Georgia. They both lost their offensive coordinator, so you've got a lot of change. But I think Alabama losing their coordinator was better for them than it was Georgia losing theirs. Yeah, no doubt. And Tennessee, I mean, the, the big question mark for me is how do you replace, you know, some some of the pieces on your offensive line? Uh, you yeah. lose like a first round tackle, you know, that who was very effective blocking guys like Will Anderson last year. And yeah. then, you know, but ultimately the atmosphere, it's got to match what they did against Alabama last year, which was the most ridiculous college football atmosphere you could possibly conjure up in whatever nightmare for an Alabama fan like myself that you can think of. So moving on to two teams that play each other, which we can touch on really quick, because I think we'll see, we'll figure out a lot about these two teams right out of the gate that Eric highlights in his article, which is LSU and Florida state. I personally like LSU in this matchup, but I don't know that they're going to have enough to close a 30 point gap that we saw in the sec championship game. I mean, do you, do you disagree with any of that? No, no, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> I mean, for all Brian Kelly's done, he's he's done a really good job re- rebuilding the roster and putting and putting together a really impressive transfer class. But I just I don't know if it's going to be enough, man. And I, as far as Florida State goes, I, I'm just I don't know that they have the depth to keep up with a team like Georgia. To be, I just I think it'll be a bloodbath, like in the fourth quarter type thing. No, I, I I don't think you're wrong in in that circumstance. But LSU, look, the one thing Brian Kelly's got going for himself is that not only is he a really good recruiter, he's at a team that you really don't have to recruit hard for. Like you can throw a rock from the campus of Baton Rouge and probably hit about two or three five stars with that one rock. That's how much talent is flowing through the state of Louisiana in the South, working in the country. The boys know how to grow them. You know, they eat they eat right. They eat right to get growth, oh, and yeah. they they play like it. And so I, I think that LSU is going to be a problem. They're going to be a problem for everybody in the conference. They're going to be a problem for as long as Brian Kelly's there. The question I ask is similar to I ask of every coach that's ever been there at LSU, is how long are they going to be there? Because LSU's that one school. They have won three national championships with three different coaches since, 2000, since, the, since the 2000s started. Mm-hmm. No other school can say that. And they only won the national championship with one good coach. The other two have always been questionable if they're any good or not. That's that true. tells Facts. you everything you need to know about LSU itself. Saban walks in, leaves Michigan State because they basically get rid of him, goes mm-hmm. to LSU, wins national championship, decides to go pro, in which to this day I hate the Miami Dolphins medical staff. They're trash. <laughs> for, not, for not signing Drew Brees. Exactly. They're the reason why college football the way it is today. If, if they didn't, if they would have signed that man. Saban would still be coaching the Dolphins. He'd be looking for a new quarterback because Drew Brees is retired. But no, oh, man. but no, that's not what they wanted to do. They wanted to be hateful. They wanted to be spiteful. And they wanted to run that man out of there and he ends up in Tuscaloosa. So I digress. <laughs> LSU, Brian Kelly's going to win a national championship at LSU. I've already said this before. He's going to go on the long, the long line of coaches that have done that since 2000, only because it really ain't that hard to recruit to LSU. It ain't. No, Kids there no, love they, it. They, People yeah. love Baton Rouge. They just love Louisiana in general. People there love it. And they, like I said, they produce talent. They produce the talent that Nebraska used to produce. Yeah. Yeah, back in the Tom Osborne where they went, uh, I believe it was like 61-3 and three over a five-year period. Yeah. 
exactly yeah. my point. You don't yeah. get it. Nebraska doesn't produce talent like like players physically in the state like they used to. Yeah, Louisiana does. Louisiana has for a while, and they've really pumped up the volume because of how prevalent college, how prevalent football is. Not college, just football in general. Youth, Pop Warner High School is in the South, Oklahoma, yeah. all the way across to North Carolina, down into Florida, into the bowels of Texas. Football is the only thing that matters there. In all of those states in between, football is the only thing that matters. So Facts. they're producing more athletes because of it. And so LSU has a good chance of that. And so, you know, Georgia themselves, I think, <sighs> trying to think, what's their bye weeks? Who's, who's their game? Who's their game after their bye? Like, you know, 11 of the teams on their schedule outside of Tennessee, you might as well just say they're all bye weeks because I don't know if you've looked at their schedule, Jay, but it's a fuck, it's a fucking joke. And yes, I get it. Georgia fans don't come at me. I know you had Oklahoma on the schedule and the SEC made you cancel it, but guess what? They would have kicked the shit out of Oklahoma just the same. And no offense to Oklahoma fans like yourself, Jay. No, no, you know, no, just, just saying this Uh, year, I wouldn't say it last year. Yeah. Last year. Yeah. (laughs) Because I'm still pissed about 2017. That was that was Oklahoma's national championship season. That was the year. That was the year. Lincoln Riley screwed that up. That was oh, the year. Man. You don't, well, you're not up 31 to 17 against Georgia and <laughs> and not not have a chance to win a national championship. They they were doing it everything at will and they played not to lose. But I digress. Let me get off of that. All right. But tender, I'm looking at the tender, schedule here. Tender topic. Sorry. Yeah, it is. It is. It is. It is. Yeah. So they traveled to Tennessee in November at the, on the 18th. And that's probably a good chance Oklahoma for for Tennessee there. South Carolina game is going to be a lot tougher than you think. I think Georgia wins it, but it's going to be a tough game. I think South Carolina is going to be very competitive. Shane Beamer is doing a fantastic job there in recruiting overall. He just got to put the product together on the field. Um, Kentucky's always tough. I know as an Alabama fan, you're going to laugh, but Auburn. I'm saying this about them is this one thing. Hugh Freeze. Hugh Freeze, knows the conference. He knows the conference. He's a a damn wild card, man. Awful human being, but he knows knows the conference. Yeah. (laughs) You got to give him props there, right? Yeah. I mean, mean, (laughs) hey, we we got no love for Hugh Freeze on this podcast, okay, other than his coaching ability, like you say. Correct. He's going to be a problem. I don't know what it looks like them going there. He's going to be a problem. So the good thing for Georgia is they play UAB the week before, so that's going to basically be a warm-up game by yeah. week. Um, Kentucky, as usual, is always Kentucky. Vanderbilt, they'll blow them out, get a week off and play Florida, which will be a physical game, and it's a rivalry game, but it won't be that big of a deal for them. Uh, Missouri, don't sleep on them this year. I don't know what it is about what they're doing there. There's something in that water that makes me think that they're going to actually be a team. I looked at their over-under, which was like six and a half or something. Mm-hmm. They yeah. might go over. Mm-hmm. Um, Ole hang Miss. On. Hang on. Let me write that down. Jay write it Smith down. Missouri might go over six and a half. I think that's <laughs> the latest number. Let me pull. I'm, I got another pod called the SEC Connect. I'm on with a few buddies, and we did a lot of the games recently. And looking at the over unders for the SEC games, when I see teams, when I saw that, and I was like, hmm, Missouri, yep, six and a half. Yeah, mm. that might be an over. Just looking at their schedule and everything, might be an over. Right. The lane I'll, train. Uh, as, I, I want to ask you this. What's your thoughts on the lane train and Ole Miss in that game? They play in uh, November in my thoughts, Athens, Georgia. 
My thoughts on Ole Miss are very similar to my thoughts on USC, a former Lane Kiffin squad, and that's that they can score a shit ton of points, and Kiffin is an offensive guru, but until they start playing a single shred of defense, I'm mm. not going to buy into them, period. Like they, oh. USC has an all-time talent at quarterback, and they have an amazing offense, and they have Lincoln Riley and all this shit. But guess what? They're going to give up 45 to 50 points anytime they meet a team that has a good offense. And, you know, there's lots of teams in college football with good offenses. But when you meet a team like Georgia or Alabama or Michigan or somebody who can play some fucking defense, you're in deep shit. Well, I say this. I mean, they did pick up the young pup from uh, Georgia, uh, from Alabama and uh, Pete Golding. That's true, and I think a, you know a lot of Alabama fans, including myself, were um, not too sad to see Pete Golding go. Nobody was. Every every single Alabama fan I ever talked to <laughs> say that they have, had absolutely no issue with that man leaving. And I mean, I think it was to me, it was more of a you know not to go too far off the rails on this conversation, but it felt like that was really a big Saban deal like it's one of the players one of those coaches that he took under his wing and he was wanting to develop him himself and it was just you know at a certain point you recognize that even in the development of him you're probably going to have to let him go because he's not going to continue to grow underneath you just because you know you're saving Uh, well yeah a few uh, like a couple of months ago we were discussing this and uh, I one of the terms I just I sort of used was his whipping boy. You know, like Golding is not going to stand up and challenge Saban if he feels he's right. You know what I mean? Right. Whereas you bring in an outsider or like a Kevin Steele, who's this old salty motherfucker that's been doing this for forty years. He'll tell Saban four hundred no, years. Fuck. Yeah, he'll tell, <laughs> he he won't be scared to tell Saban no. Fuck off! You're wrong. Like that, we need to do it this way. That's true. That is very true. He is so, one of those that have no problem with that. So that's fair. Yeah. Now, a couple of teams that I'm going to throw at you because we we talked about USC. I mean, do you agree that they can't win a title with that defense? No, they never will. It's Alex Grinch's defense. That that speed yeah. does not work in college football. Now, they, they yeah. will they'll make the playoffs just about every other year. Uh, well, probably the new, yeah. the new one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, Twelve teams. But actually, let me let me let me pull that back. They have a chance of making it every single year, most likely mm-hmm. as an at-large. I don't yeah. see them ever making it as a conference champion, and this is why. Once they go to the Big Ten, they got to they up the defensive game, baby. Yeah. Yeah, they'll get run over by somebody who just wants to pound the rock like a Wisconsin or Nebraska, and they'll have trouble with teams like that who they can't match up with in the trenches because they don't have the big freaks up front on defense. So yep, not yet. They got to figure that bad boy out if you want to get it. Yeah, no kidding. And so the other speaking of the Big Ten, that's the other two teams I wanted to throw at you that could potentially challenge Georgia this year was Ohio State and Michigan. Ohio State, we talked to a beat writer a couple of weeks ago about them. They're losing a ton on defense. A lot of turnover, you know, you're losing your quarterback, uh, second overall pick, C.J. Stroud. I mean, I I personally, aside from their wide receiver room, which is the best by a mile in college football, and it's not, frankly, even close, aside from that particular position group, I don't think they got enough to stick with Georgia this year and play them as tough as they did last year. Yeah, no, I agree with you there. Yeah. I think you're right. Yeah, and Michigan, I mean, they bring back most of their team, but we saw – 
two years ago, this same game. And I don't, I mean, Michigan hasn't shown me anything that would make me believe that all of a sudden they can take a big step. So I, I'm more I mean, impressed it, with, with Michigan's just ability to exist right now. <laughs> like, like Harbaugh's done a masterful job and I more so want to commend their administration by not making a knee-jerk reaction of, oh, he's not the guy that's going to get us over the hump and not firing him. Like, Oh, man. You, their, their administration has got to be on like Xanax like 24-7. This is a dude who last year at this time, like, you know, February of 2022 was – in the Minnesota Vikings office on national signing day, interviewing for a job. I mean, and then, well, I'm coming on back and he wins the big 10 again. And it's just like, God, the administration's just got to be going back and forth. Like what in the fuck? Well, whatever. Okay. We're winning. We'll stick with it. You know? Yeah. And what do you do about that? You know what I'm saying? Like, like, <laughs> yeah, because- you know that, but and here's the problem for them. And, and this is rightfully so. I understand this will be a problem for them is that they, seeing he's had NFL success. Like he's won in the NFL. So what oh, do you yeah. do? How do you tell him he can't go? You can't. Yeah. And who you he knows report? how to you get this isn't an ambitious thing for him. He's no. had success in the NFL. And so for them it's a all right, we've got a coach that's been in the NFL who's done it before. Is what do we need to do to give him the tools to be successful? And at this point, hey man, he's showing you now that he can do it. You just got to let him do it. Well, all right. So aside from Ohio, Ohio State, Michigan, we talked a little bit about Alabama, Florida State, LSU, Tennessee. So bottom line, give it to me, Jay. Do they three-peat, yes or no? I'm going to say no. I'm going to say no <laughs> because we got to figure out this quarterback position. Let's Once they go. figure out quarterback, I will change my tune. But we saw Stetson Bennett help them win a national championship. Yeah. And he wasn't supposed to. So, yeah. Y'all always going to need a quarterback going up against a lot of these schools with their elite defenses anyway. Mm. Don't need it. Man, well, my money would be on Georgia three-peating because I think personally the two teams that they might have a chance to play – uh, aside from you know Tennessee, which obviously they will play, but the other two teams, in my opinion, are Alabama or LSU. They're the only teams that I think have enough roster talent to even have a chance to beat them. So I would bet on it happening, but we'll see, man. I, it's going to be super interesting to see if they can three p because it hasn't been done like in an undisputed way. And I'm using air quotations there since like uh, Eric highlighted 1936 was Minnesota won three straight undisputed college football titles. So, right. you know, 90, 93 years roughly since it's happened. So it should be really interesting, but uh, okay. So moving forward to something that's been heavily in the news as of late and oh god i I don't even like bringing it up on the show because they're gonna be fucking terrible this year but colorado the rumor is is they may be headed back to the big 12 and this pac-12 media deal may not get done we talked to dennis dodd from cbs uh several weeks ago and if you haven't checked that episode out just scroll back in the feed it's a few episodes ago Gives you a good update on this Pac-12 media deal and how it may or may not come to pass. But uh, he seems to think that the Pac-12 is 
that the situation is just extremely dire and we tend to agree with him. So Colorado going to the big 12. I mean, I don't really think it makes all that much of a difference for them as a team. I don't think they would recruit any better or worse in the big 12. I mean, would you agree with that? You're, you've been a big 12 guy for a long time. So what, I mean, what do you, they were there, but the Big 12 they'd be coming back to looks absolutely fucking nothing like the Big 12 that they were in. Yeah, it's going to be a it's going to be a shell of itself, but I'll I'll say this. The Big 12 would be smart to leverage taking Colorado right now. Like if they've been talking about the four anchor schools. So you've got yeah. Utah, Colorado, Arizona Utah, State, Utah Arizona. Arizona, Arizona State. That's yeah. that's your four, right? Yeah. Makes the most sense to go after them logistically, travel, all perfect. It would be great to have Oregon and Washington, but logistically, yeah, no, you probably won't do that. But they'll be smart to take Colorado specifically because having Colorado and the hype around Coach Prime right now is the smartest marketing thing possible. And it's even better for Colorado and their brand. They're going to get much more money moving to a new conference. Uh, they'll be able to really upgrade facilities. They can they can ride this prime train until the wheels fall off because you think they're going to be terrible? I disagree. I don't think they're going to be bad next season. They'll be better than 1-11. Let's put it like that. And they may win five, but I think they're going to make a ball game. I think they win six games this first year there. That's oh it. Just God. six. Oh, my God. All and right. I say no. that for one no, reason and one reason too. only. It ain't the the allure and the excitement around Deion Sanders. I have been impressed with the coaching staff that he's put around himself, mm-hmm. of former head coaches, coaches with styles that we've seen success with, coaches from like SEC schools, strength guys from SEC schools. And you it shows that he his ego is only big for the lights in front of everybody else, for the media. Behind yeah. closed doors, he's bringing in people a nice think tank of coaches to not only help him grow, but help his players grow. He has Mike Zimmer as a freaking analyst. He got him to go to Jackson State with him. That tells <laughs> me enough. This man's like, no, no, no. I need, I need a good mentor that's going to come through and help me go guide through this. We got to do this thing right. So a good set of old eyes that understands the game going to the next level. Even some for me have coached me, but still, someone I respect that can, that can tell me no. He has guys, to me, he has a team of coaches that aren't yes men, and that's something that shocked the sh- out of me. Yeah. I was expecting it to be all yes guys. No, he's got guys that, that will require him to respect their thoughts and what they're doing if they're going to be successful long-term, and I think that he does that. So that's why I say a bowl game. I'm not saying that he's going to go to a playoff in the next three years, but I do think bowl game is definitely not out of the question. But going to the Big 12, he can run that bad boy. Because I don't know if anybody in that conference that's willing to step up and take the conference away. Oklahoma State should have been the team, but they look like doo-doo. They losing half their players. Oh, man. And I'm just yeah, waiting they're... for Gundy to get fired. I mean, yeah, he lost two coordinators. Yeah, they're in a bad way up there. It's looking like it's a downward spiral, sort of circling the toilet bowl, if you will. Right. But the only thing good for them, though, is that Gundy does better when he's underestimated with a whole yeah. bunch of randos. He's yeah. really good at coaching players that you would think that nobody Should else be. wants. Right. So <laughs> yeah. that that's the prop I can give them there. Besides that, yeah, no, I don't I don't see I don't see anything about going to the Big 12 as a bad thing for Colorado and honestly Utah. Bring back the holy war. We're not going to have it this year. 
Because yeah, BYU's been, gone from independent. Yeah. Bring back We've the Holy War. That. We've been saying it. I, it. It makes perfect sense. I, I don't know how Utah would feel about that. I think it's more of a fiscal thing for them. I don't really think Utah fans give a shit who they play. I'm sure they would like to play BYU, but I don't think they have any allegiance to the Pac-12. I mean, we no, talked to, yeah, we talked to uh, a beat writer for the Salt Lake Tribune, and uh, it, Josh Newman. Yeah, the name was escaping me. Sorry, sorry, Josh. Um, we talked to him and he's kind of like USC, good fucking riddance. We don't want anything to do with, you know, the Pac 12. And the only reason we feel like we're still there is because a lot of our alums live in California. So it wouldn't shock me to see. But I think ultimately, this whole Big 12 business with Colorado, th- I think you make a good point about taking on the prime train and just striking while the iron's hot and getting that hype and all of that. And then you figure as a big 12 administrator that if you get one, the dominoes start to fall and the rest of them fall in line. Because if one school, even one more ejects from the pac 12, (laughs) I mean, how many teams can they lose before? I mean, even the CW doesn't want to host their games. Okay. Like it can't get much worse. The conference is done. Yeah. Agree over. It's dead. (laughs) It's time to just walk away. Yes. Smile and wave boys. Just smile and wave. And I think the big 12 is really trying to get aggressive in acquiring these teams because they don't want to become one of those conferences that's on the outside of the big two in the big 10 and sec. So if they can acquire enough teams, maybe they can get a comparable media deal and, I mean, the ACC is a complete shit show with their grant rights deal. And that, I mean, that's just, it's all rumor and hearsay and you don't know what's going to happen. But ultimately, ESPN has no reason to give in to any of their demands. So they're going to make ESPN's it painful gonna for. Make, they're going to make money hand over fist. Yeah. I mean, that the they're going to make it painful for whatever ACC team tries to eject. So I, I think that's just kind of a, they're kind of screwed, honestly, but. I mean, Colorado, you talked about a bowl game, just speaking about their team for a minute. (laughs) Their offensive and defensive lines are going to be hot trash. I mean, they don't have any big dog linemen. I mean, they, yeah, they've got an impressive transfer class coming in of skill guys, corners, receivers, you know, like running backs, guys who can run fast and, you know, that kind of thing. But, they made a team like Utah. They're going to get bulldozed. They're going to get bullied up front. And I have, I'm very much, I have a strong opinion that you cannot build a roster through the transfer portal that is going to be able to win at a sustainable rate. You have to recruit yeah. high school kids. I mean, do, would do you agree with that? No, I agree. And you, you've got to have a balance. If you want to be successful. And I think, I mean, I mean, you look at the class that they're trying to put together now there. Colorado's name is ending up in the mouths of a substantial amount of top tier players in the recruiting trail. Yeah. That's basically what you wanted out of getting coach prime. They've gotten their money's worth out of him coming there, selling out your spring game, showing a little excitement Sure, he did a massive refresh of players. We're what, like roughly 70 players since he got his name announced as the head coach in December, has entered the portal, and he's brought in about 40 to 50 players. But look at it this way. They were 1-11 last year. <laughs> Can't was he get supposed much, to keep the same players? Can't get much worse than that. What, you know, was it, was it really, coaching? Really. 
Was it coaching the problem or was it players or was it both? We don't know, but I know this much. He got rid of them. Yeah, 50, I think it was 55 guys out of the program total have left the program since uh, the end of last season, 55 dudes. It's just, it's unprecedented what he's doing. And it's going to be really interesting to see uh, <laughs> what kind of team they put on the field, man, because I don't, I don't even know how you like understand who's good at what because what did you accomplish in the spring other than putting a bunch of butts in the seats like you you turned you turned over your whole roster you don't even know what kind of team you're gonna have well well i I can tell you what he did he figured out who was gonna be able to play and who ain't that's what happened he went to that spring went to that spring up to the spring game because most of those players transfer right about that time right right before and after the spring game itself and so basically he got a whole bunch of players to go in, get their work in, see what they look like, and was like, yeah, nah, y'all, y'all ain't going to make it here. You're not going to survive what we're trying to do. Or the players is like, nah, I don't even want to be around this. Too much, too much work, blah, blah, blah. Whatever it is, he was able to get the evaluations he needed to now begin the refresh. Only thing for him now is that no matter what, they're going to have to accept what players they can get going into the uh, the fall. So, Hopefully he he the the Florida State players he's snatching up right now. Hopefully they can contribute day one because that's what he's gonna have to look forward to. Is that? Yeah, no doubt. And man, it's just hey, I think they're gonna get steamrolled a lot. I think their Vegas total was is three and a half right now. It's oh, man, and I would probably take the under, but I haven't looked at their schedule in a while. All right, so the last couple of topics here, we're going to rapid fire these because uh, I don't want to keep you too much longer. All right, so right now at the SEC spring meetings, uh, they're discussing eight versus nine conference games. Just announced they're going eight. <sighs> right, so they're going to stick with eight games and being a new guy coming into the SEC now, which, I, you know, not to poke too much fun at you, given you're an Oklahoma guy, you guys have been screaming at all us SEC fans for years, like, ah, oh, you SEC homers, you're all SEC biased, and now you guys have to do it with us. Yeah, yeah, we, we, that's true. We, we do get to join <laughs> join the party of being an SEC biased person. Indeed. So, I, I mean, do you agree with sticking at eight games? Because I absolutely hate it. I think <sighs> it sucks. So... I'm kind of indifferent around it. And this is the reason Mm -hmm. why there's what 16 teams in the conference now. Correct. We know the sec is the top conference in the country, right? So playing just against each other is probably enough to sharpen the iron to be able to go into the playoffs and do well, but Oh yeah, no, no doubt. But the problem I have with just the with the nine team schedule is is we missing out on opportunities to play a for real non conference game against someone of similar namesake or allure like a Georgia playing Oregon, a Oklahoma yeah. Ohio State, yeah. a Michigan Alabama. You really lose out on that because you kind of have to have about one or two cupcake teams in there just to balance the schedule out. You can't play, I put like this, those small schools depend on that game just as much as the big schools do. Those small, th- those games usually fund the entire football program for the smaller schools. So I'm pretty empathetic to them coming out and getting shellacked 
by a big SEC school because that's how they fund their program. They're bringing kids to the school. They get butts and seats. And it just gives them opportunity to play in the big boys. And it also gives exposure to these small school players. They could potentially transfer because, you know, you figure out they're actually good. Yeah, now that's that's one, uh, I suppose, positive thing about some of the lower tier games. I I hate cupcake games. I hate them because it, to me, like... It's a, and it is a selfish point of view where you only care about the good players, you know, kind of thing where I, like, I hate the transfer portal because people only care about the good players in the portal. They don't care about the guys that lose their jobs to the portal, you know, and it's kind of the same thing with these big versus small school deals. It's like, no one cares about the players at the small schools, even though they might be ballers and can play. So it does give them a good opportunity to showcase themselves. But I mean, this happens even at the power five level. Like Maryland is in the Big Ten, and they get the shit kicked out of them every year because they took that hundred million dollar check, you know. And same Rutgers, (laughs) yeah, yeah, Rutgers, Syracuse, name a team that gets the shit kicked out of them six, seven times a year because they like that money. So, it, I don't know, man. I just there's there's not enough teams that are going to be willing to actually go and schedule that. There's going to be too many Texas A and M's who schedule. Up for just complete trash, garbage ass teams, and then play their conference schedule. And I just, I hate, I, I get the SEC's tough, man, and it's a fucking grind. But, it is. But I mean, you saw the 2020 season where they had 10 conference games and it was fucking amazing. And it proved, like you said, that it's enough to go and prove yourself against the big boys because Alabama went and just shellacked Ohio State in the title game. So, it's I, I don't know. If it were me, I would play 10 conference games, and that gives you two games to – if you want to play one cupcake and one Power 5 non-conference game, feel free. But I don't know. I, I think that's – it's all going to change regardless with the you know players becoming employees here relatively – well, sooner rather than later. Uh, oh, yeah. N- no pun intended. They're on your podcast name. But – uh you know, we'll see what happens. Like we said, they did announce they are sticking at eight for now. I would expect that to change potentially with the new pl- college football playoff contract that comes up, I believe, after the 2028 season. Is that correct? Something. Yeah. Yeah. So something around in there. Um, all right, man. Last topic. I don't know if you're a gamer. Are you a gamer? Hardcore. I was actually playing NCAA 14 the other day on my Xbox 360. Oh my God. All right. Here we go. So if you are a, any, like, you know, any self-respecting man is going to, you know, escape the, the hardships of life and find refuge in PlayStation or Xbox, like most of us here do, then if you're that type of person, you would probably know that NCAA football is coming back to the video game scene and it was official. They dropped it like, okay, we got this NIL deal done. We got it all figured out and we're going to drop it in 2024. So <laughs> all that shit being said, man, like, I mean, this has been what, since like you said, 2013 was the last game that got made. Yep. And I mean, we're 10 years in the making here, man. It's going to be 11 by the time the new one comes out. So what's some things that you definitely want to see? So I'll say this a mixture of NCAA 12 and 14 will probably be like the greatest college football game ever created. And this is why 14 did a masterful job on the recruiting 
and the game engine itself it was easy to play for a casual you could get a little bit more complicated as you go if you want if you're more of a hardcore gamer it's probably one of the better balances out there like i started like during the pandemic like everybody else really weren't going anywhere i I fired up my Xbox 360, got everything updated, went in there, and I started a franchise with Tennessee, and I've won 15 national championships. Nick Saban, <laughs> God dang it. And I've tried to get other jobs, but unfortunately, every time there's a job opening later on in my career on that game, uh, they seem to hire from within immediately before a job opening comes to it at a bigger school, which makes me mad. I'm like, guys, I'm here. No one even calls me anymore. It's like, he ain't leaving that job. It's too cush. You're going to use us as an opportunity for you to get a bigger check. But oh my goodness. anyway, no. So some of the features I really want to see is 14 was great with the recruiting. I would love to mm-hmm. keep that recruiting engine going. I'd like to add, I think it was either 11 or 12 that had like players doing stupid stuff and getting in trouble. Like you have a recruit that... They tell you it's kind of a problem child, but you can probably potentially try to tame them, and then they get oh, in yeah. trouble and get suspended. I want that. Yep. You got to add transfer portal stuff as well as NIL into there so you can figure see, out which players you want to go after and which not. Ah, See, the NIL thing is so weird, too. and it, like I wonder, because it is the complete Wild West right now in the NIL yep. scene. I mean, people are breaking rules. Coaches are just contacting players that are on other rosters. It's there are no rules and everybody's breaking them. And so I wonder how that's going to play into this game. If like, you, you know, you got to all of a sudden your best player is just like, I'm going to hop in the portal. And you're like, what? My five-star quarterbacks jumping in the portal. What the fuck? You know? Yeah. It's going to be interesting. I mean, it's going to make it fun. You know, um, yeah. it's going to make it fun. Yeah. You know, tampering's all over the place in college football right now. Mostly it's the players tampering with each other because it's still so much easier to do that. Why would you tamper as a coach? Just have your players call their friends. I mean, they're all friends nowadays. Social media and this era of just life, it's mm-hmm. so much easier to contact other players without having to worry about anything. I mean, you can get on FaceTime. You can tweet at each other. You can do all kinds of stuff to build relationships with people that are nowhere near you. They can be across the country. You're going to meet them at some camp. Then you get to yeah. know them, you become friends. I, I tell no everybody a, a lot, like even going into like a little analogous with like the NBA with like, you know, the 2000s through when, when basketball got so huge that you start to see all these AAU tournaments pop up all the time. Of course, the kids in the pros are friends with other players in the pros. They've been seeing each other since they were like 12. (laughs) (laughs) They know each other. Some of them have created bonds from 12 years old because they've got technology to keep in contact with each other. They had chat rooms back then in the early 2000s. And now you can just hop on Twitter and add each other all the time and then get into a, a, a group text. Well, and nowadays, I mean, kids are transferring high schools just as much as they're transferring in college. I mean, I got a, a text from Eric today yeah. talking about he li- he lives down uh, close to Jacksonville, and he was talking about the, the hometown school in his uh, county and city where he lives that we won't name, but uh, they've been a just absolute juggernaut in the past, like one you know, back to back to back state titles and shit like that. And he's like, they just got some kid from two counties over. That's an absolute fucking monster. And I'm yep. just like, what am I listening to? Is this transfer portal in high school now? But, in, but I mean, that's, it's kind of the era we live in, man. So it will be interesting to see what kind of elements that, uh, the game, 
you know, brings to the NIL and transfer portal type stuff. But exactly. What's some some things you don't want to see? Because I'll tell you the one thing that I worry about with this. And I'm not a Madden guy because Madden fucking sucks. And it sucked since about, I would, I would ballpark it around 2009 is when I gave up on Madden. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's been trash since then, but now it's gotten into just like every other fucking sports game, whether it's MLB or FIFA or whatever, it's pay to win. Call of duty, same thing, pay to win. And so with NIL, I worry about if they're going to like start offering these packs and playing, you know, whatever it is, NCAA ultimate team like Madden, you know, and it's going to be pay to win. I I just, I don't want to see that. I hope they, God, I pray they don't do that. And they just maintain some level of nostalgia for us and make it just based on your ability as a gamer. So, so I'm kind of opposite of you here, Jason, when it comes to that. And I'll say it like this. I don't play online. Mm-hmm. I have zero desire to play other people <laughs> in this video game. Then yeah. I play my sports games like I do my RPGs. It's a one-player game. We ain't playing mm-hmm. these other people. So yeah. I totally understand everybody's quorum with the fact that it's really pay to play. I have zero interest in playing uh, playing against fourteen year olds in video games. Uh, my yeah. son's fifteen. I've played enough with him to understand it. I don't ever <laughs> want to play a young kid again. <laughs> and it's more so because I don't have the hand eye coordination I used to. That's the one thing. And two, I don't have forty five hours a week to just play video games because I'm out of school. I yeah. don't have it. So. Because I'm doing this podcasting, I'm researching teams, and I've basically got a career. Nah, nah, nah. I don't want to play nobody else. So the only (laughs) way that they could ruin it for me is this. It's making the game too complicated. Mm -hmm. That's when I, like you, in about 09, I gave up on Madden as well. It got to the point where... I was truly an offensive coordinator drawing my own plays and sets and no, 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 no. Let me go out there fourth and 30, pick this swing pass and just figure that shit out on my own. I don't yeah. need the complexities. I'm trying to read defenses too much. Like when they did that cone shit, that basically mm-hmm. was my point of not y'all, y'all hate me. They got yeah. rid of it. Thank goodness. But I wanted the old NFL 2K type where I can just launch that bad boy. Randy Moss catches and he's gone. I don't, ever want to play a person online ever again because i'm too old for that first off and secondly it's just like you said it's pay to play that they're gonna make it that way so you'll have virtual credits just like they got on nba 2k not fun anymore so moving past that part i just don't want the complexities of madden to come into actually i don't want them to make it anything like madden pretend like madden don't exist Make yeah, this shit off of the NBA 2K and uh, NFL. Uh, I'm sorry, the NCAA 14 engine. Add mm-hmm. some better graphics and move it along. The game does not need to be complicated. Keep that no. shit simple. And I think we're good. I agree. Fantastic. Well, uh, Jay, I appreciate so much. We we got a lot more out of you than I uh, expected to get. I, we kind of ran long there, and we appreciate you taking some time and talking uh, college football with us. And uh, where can our listeners find your content on social media, the interwebs, and uh, the platforms to listen to you? Yeah, yeah. 
Jason, I appreciate you having me. You know, this was a great conversation and great fun. You can find me on YouTube at Unfair Sports. Search for me there. You'll see all of my YouTube content there. Um, Podcast-wise, the podcast version comes out. I have the Unfair Sports feed as well as the Sooner or Later show feed. You'll see a picture of me, so it's very hard to miss who's the person on there. But uh, And then you can also follow us on Twitter at Unfair Sports. I'm usually there tweeting back and forth with random college football fans. So thanks again for having me. Awesome. Awesome. All right. Well, you guys can find our show on Twitter at South End Zone Pod, and that's on all the other interwebs as well. YouTube, TikTok, Instagram, all that good stuff. So at South End Zone Pod, you can follow me at Jason Bailey 47. You can follow my co-host, Eric, at Eric Mulhair. And uh, if you're still with us, Georgia fans, definitely go check out that three-peat article that he just dropped. I think you'll enjoy that. But we will be back with you next week. And until then... Everybody stay safe. Take care. Catch you later. Thank you very much. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name. And we're still here. 